Now playing movie reviews in 20 cues. Hello, great people, and welcome to the podcast, Movie Reviews in 20 Cues. I am your host, Sam Hurley, and I am joined this week on a very special edition of this podcast with my wife, probably future ex-wife, Stacey Hurley. How are you, Stacey? <laughs> oh, well, you know, I have been better. I've, but since I've been forced to watch these movies we're about to talk about, I feel like I do have to talk about them so that it wasn't completely in vain. Somebody may get something out of this. <laughs> yes, it's in the inaugural Cagerpalooza. This is the first time that we're reviewing two Cage movies as part of the podcast. Just me and Stacey. Now, Stacey, the reason why this came about was early on when we started the podcast, I said to you, who is your least favourite actor and how can we incorporate them into movies? And you said... Nicolas Cage. And as we've discovered, Stacey, why don't you like Nicolas Cage? What are the only two Nicolas Cage movies you had seen before we started doing this podcast? So really, Wicker Man was the start of the end of (laughs) me liking Nicolas Cage. And then the nail was put in the coffin with Ghost Rider. So, your complete disdain from Nicolas Cage comes from the fact that you've seen those two movies. Yeah. That's correct. And now look where we are. You've seen Vampire's Kiss. You've seen Face Off. You've seen Kick-Ass. Oh, you'd already seen Kick-Ass. Yeah. Didn't realise he was a supporting actor in that. And now you've also seen Leaving Las Vegas and The The Rock, Rock. which we are doing today. Yes, that is correct. Okay, now we flipped a coin before the show and we're going to start with Leaving Las Vegas, a film in which Nicolas Cage is a young screenwriter who basically loses his wife, his life, everything to alcoholism, moves out to Las Vegas, meets Elizabeth of Shoe, a prostitute, who he tells he's going to drink himself to death. That is pretty much the plot of Leaving Las Vegas, right Stace? That is correct. Now, Stacey, let's have a look at the reviews for this movie. I am very interested to see what people thought of this. IMDb have this rated at 7.5 out of 10. Rotten Tomatoes has this at 90%. Roger Ebert, (laughs) 4 out of 4. Are you is this, are you reading out the right movie? Is this Leaving Las Vegas starring Nicolas Cage? Yes. Drama <laughs> indie film from 1995 starring Nicolas Cage. Can you believe it? 90% on Rotten, have people seen this movie? 90% on Rotten Tomatoes. I think they need to ban people who haven't seen the movie from rating it. Potentially only people with head injuries have actually watched and reviewed this movie. <laughs> Or alcoholics and prostitutes who can identify with the characters. <laughs> Even then, I'd, I'd struggle to see how alcoholics could identify with Nicolas Cage. I think alcoholics would look at Nicolas Cage and go, what? no, yeah, that's not you're me. a loser, man. <laughs> <laughs> Jesus Christ, no. So you've kind of played your cards, but Stacey, how much would you give this as a score out of 10,000 empty bottles of spirits? I just really am struggling to think of a reason to give this any points. Like, what? why does Whoa. this score points? Is this a movie reviews in 20Q's <laughs> history where the first time someone has given a zero point score to a movie? Yes, it is. This is beating my score for I Feel Pretty where I gave it one out of 10,000. You yes. are literally giving this a zero. This is worse than Suicide Squad. Suicide Squad was my previous lowest score. Oh, which you gave like less than a thousand or something. I yeah. think it was like one. Yeah. One out of 10,000. <laughs> Leaving Las Vegas is worse than that. That's amazing. Do you know what, Stacey? I'm going to give this 2,500 out of 10,000. <laughs> okay. 
tell me how you managed to scrape up some points for this movie. Well, uh, well we can do that when we do the compliment sandwich. Okay. But look, I, I just want to say something before we start this, Stacey. We, we sat down, we saw it was on Netflix, and I said to you, I remember watching this when I was younger and thinking this was a really good movie. And this Nicolas Cage won the best actor at the Oscars for this movie. And I remember saying to you, okay, I don't remember it, but let's watch it and enjoy it, you know, potentially enjoy it. You might see a really good Nick Cage performance. At the end, I remember looking at you and saying, I am actually genuinely sorry about what has just happened. <laughs> it was a Friday night, and what the fuck were we doing? I think that's actually how you conned me into watching this. Yeah. And I, I thought, okay, surely, surely if it, if he won an Oscar for this performance, A, it can't be that bad. Like, I'm, you know, I, I know that the Oscars aren't always perfect, but surely it must be of some critical quality. Like, the movie overall, the story or something in the movie might be worth watching. Yeah. So what we're going to do, okay, now, if you haven't heard this podcast before, what we normally do is we throw 20 questions at a movie, and there's 10 questions that we ask that can be asked of any movie sort of thing that we do at the start. Now, because we're doing two films, we're just going to use those 10 questions and because there's only two of us, we're not going to do personal questions for these films. We're just going to throw 10 questions each at them. And in a movie reviews and 20 cues first, it's been given a zero. So typically we start with the compliment sandwich. <laughs> this time we're doing the shit sandwich. Stacey, I want one thing bad, one thing good, and one thing bad from you for this film. Well, the first bad thing is Nicolas Cage's performance. Yes. <laughs> How dare you say that about my God? It is terrible. Actually... Have we looked up who the other nominees for Best Actor were that year? I have looked up the other nominees, actually, Stacey. Mm, who are they? Richard Dreyfus for Glenn Holland and Mr. Holland's Opus. Anthony Hopkins as Richard Nixon in Nixon. Sean Penn as Matthew Ponsolet in Dead Man Walking. And Massimo Troisi in uh, Il Postino, The Postman. Good household name there at the end. But out of that, I mean, Sean Penn potentially should have probably won this. I actually haven't seen any of those other movies, but I actually <laughs> might go and watch them now so that I can determine <laughs> what the fuck was going on with the Academy that year. It's just mind-blowing. <laughs> okay, so what's your good thing about this? The good thing is when the credits started rolling, I was put out of my misery. <laughs> the movie was oh, over. Fuck? And the final shit thing about this movie was... Just the entire story. Zero idea why the writers thought the story was worth telling and why the producers thought the movie, why the story was worth turning into a movie and then why the casting director thought that it was worthwhile casting Nicolas Cage. Daisy is having an existential <laughs> crisis at the moment. What cracks me up is this is 1995. So this follows a year in which we got Pulp Fiction, Shawshank Redemption... <laughs> Forrest Gump, Four Weddings and a Funeral, all got him nominated for the best picture. And then this happens. It's like 1995, just halfway through the decade, took a step back, looked at itself and was like, I'm just going to fully shit the bed. Yeah, yeah. All quality goes out the window. What's your shit sandwich? My shit sandwich. You're right. Nicolas Cage's performance is wacky. It's a typical Nicolas Cage performance in that he does enough acting for four actors, but not in a good way. Just overly chews the scenery to the point... <laughs> That you feel like he's crawled out of the TV screen and is licking your leg. It is yeah. fucking terrifying. Yeah. It's fascinating performance because when you're watching it, you can see that he's trying to act. And I thought that, you know, a sign of a good actor was when it just seemed so natural. You thought you believed that was the character. <laughs> yeah. But he seemed like he read the script and he was like, oh, this is great. I've just been looking for an excuse to drink and be an idiot and not 
follow lines and, you know, be myself for ages and get paid for it. Famously a myth predictor. I mean, we've seen Vampire's Kiss where there was a scene in which he was supposed to eat a cockroach and he actually ate a cockroach. <laughs> so I wouldn't be surprised if he was drunk the whole time. And you know how... <laughs> People, when they're drunk, think they're really super fucking awesome and they're just yes. loud and annoying. I think that was his performance through this. Yeah. He was like, I'm giving an Oscar-worthy performance. And he did. That's the, <laughs> That's the worst fucking part about this film. He actually won the fucking Oscar. Holy shit. Okay, okay, okay. I've got to oh, yeah, write right. the ship. Good thing. Elizabeth Shue nails it. She yes. deserves all the accolades she, she could get. She was legitimately the one great thing. In fact, the last 45 minutes of this film, she's the only thing in it. Nicolas Cage just takes his side note. He's like, yeah, I'm going to drink myself to death okay cool and then they just push him to the side elizabeth shoe takes over and you know has traumatic experience after traumatic experience yeah she's captivating actually yeah. that's that's the only reason i probably kept watching it throughout she was truly captivating and i thought she is playing an interesting character but man yeah, everything else around her, unfortunately, just didn't meet the same standard. Yeah. Final bad thing is the good thing. Like, when Elizabeth Shue takes over, it's great. But that it's supposed to be a story of two characters. And honestly, it just the story just falls apart. It's, like, all over the place. It doesn't know what it wants to be. And I don't get what they're going for. Let's move on before I, it makes me even more depressed. That moves us on to question number two. Yes, which is a Patreon question, which comes courtesy of our man, Mr. Phil Joynson. He pays five bucks a month to ensure that one of his questions is in there. Typically, he's got one question that he threw at us, but he actually threw a question for our upcoming 100th episode at us that we're going to use for this episode because yeah. we love the question. And what's the question, Stacey? Okay, what character from this film would you absolutely hate to be the personal cleaner for, Sam? I'm going to go with Yuri, who's uh, Elizabeth Shue's pimp. He's just a despicable, <laughs> despicable man. Okay, at one point he gets murdered, so you would, you know, you'd have to clean up a dead body. I've got better things to do. I just wouldn't want to clean up after Nicolas Cage's character, Ben. You ben remember Sinistin. his name? Well on. Yeah. <laughs> he's just such a mess. Uh, he's just a slob, and he just would not appreciate the cleaning efforts whatsoever. Not to mention he's like, you know, they're getting frisky or whatever. He smashes the table, and he'd probably be, he'd probably soil himself on a regular basis as well, I'd say. Oh, yeah. Oh, his laundry. Oh, it would be <laughs> disgusting. It would be covered in vomit and sweat and ugh. Plus it's Nicolas Cage. Yeah. <laughs> Oh, Stace. Okay, move us on to question number three. What deep philosophical debate arose in you while watching this film? I think I've already talked about it in my shit sandwich. Why did this film even get made? I don't understand that. I think it comes in the back of that early nine, like late eighties, early nineties, when indie films suddenly like blow up. You know, like your your pulp fictions and stuff were getting made. Um, Sex Lies and Videotape by Soderbergh was getting made. Even Clerks by Kevin Smith. Slackers. I can name a million of these. Early 90s was great. This is pure indie fodder. But with no artistic quality or creative angle. It's like, hey, here's a guy who's a piece of shit and here's a prostitute in love with him. What's the point of the story? Oh, he's dead. The end. <laughs> okay, here's the thing. They actually spoil the plot at the start of the movie yeah. when he says... I'm just here to drink myself to death. And that's all he does. And then she doesn't argue and she's like, oh, okay. And then that's what happens. Don't people know that's a fundamental thing about movies? You're not supposed to tell people what's going to happen. Yeah, exactly. Like l at least leave them thinking <laughs> that there might be some hope for them. And yeah. there is. There is a bit towards the end where you think, oh, there is some hope. Like he says he loves her and all this other shit. But then he just turns into a bigger piece of shit and he's like, there's only one way this is going. Yeah. Anywho, my deep philosophical debate is how many other films out there do I hold in quite high regard that are actually just stinkers? <laughs> you know, how many more? Because this is this is a great example of a film where I was like, this is really good. And now when you watch it and modernize, you're like, this is abysmal. I've rewatched Predator, still enjoyed. Rewatched Face Off, horrible. 
Yes. <laughs> rewatch The Rock. Don't want to give a spoiler on that. Shout out to Ash and the Let's Rewatch crew who <laughs> probably I've been on another episode where we did Conair. Loved Conair. Loved watching that again. Well, you know, there's only one way to find that out. That's the debate. That's the debate is how do I want to watch these films again or would I prefer to think, oh yeah, that was a good film and then never see it again. I think bl- being blissfully unaware is quite, is a good way to go. Yes. There's a lot of bliss and ignorance. <laughs> yes. Okay, so question number four is from our Patreon, Dave Baker. And he has a Patreon page you can go and have a look at, patreon.com forward slash your favourite. Yeah, and on there he creates and posts a cornucopia of creative content, ranging from pro samples to curated YouTube recommendations. YouTube video essays to written essays on Medium. It's awesome. You guys should definitely all check it out. Yes. There'll be a link in the show notes. Very exciting to see where that goes. And what would he like to know? He would like to know which character would have the biggest social media following and on what platform, Sam? Given that there's only really two main characters in this film, I'm going to go with Elizabeth Shue. I reckon it'd be like Confessions of a Cool Girl. I reckon she'd have a really popular blog post that people, you know, like myself who are interested in <laughs> prostitution but have never got into it due to a complete lack of sexiness. I think they'd, they'd love reading about it. They'd love sex. <laughs> They love going on there and being like, oh, look at this. This is, this is what the life is really like. It's not all glitz and glamour and having sex with Richard Gere and having him buy you the pretty dress. It's falling in love with alcoholics. I cannot argue with that whatsoever because we all know sex sells and the porn industry is, is like outstrips everything else on the internet in terms of popularity. So there's nothing that could beat that. So really, there's no point in me putting up an argument for any other character except for to just mention Ben Sanderson wouldn't even be on social media. He wouldn't even know what it is. He probably doesn't have a phone because he vomited on it and dropped it down, a, <laughs> dropped it in a gutter on the way home. And so, how would he even post anything? And if he did, who the hell would want to look at it? I don't think Nicolas Cage has social medias, but could you imagine what Nicolas Cage social media would be like? <laughs> just tweeting out, just did shrooms with my cat, YOLO. <laughs> Moves us on to question number five. What quote from this film would be the worst to hear immediately after you finish having sex with someone? I'll tell you right now. I'm in love with you. Sounds okay so far. Yeah. But be that as it may, I'm not here to force my twisted soul into your life. Well, <laughs> you kind of ben are. <laughs> <laughs> force something twisted into you. Uh, <laughs> my one is another Ben Sanderson lying. Giving you money makes me want to come. <laughs> so after sex, you'd hopefully that's already happened. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Maybe I am a prostitute in this case. Yay, I made it. I made it into the world of prostitution. If I can make it here, I can make it anywhere. Prostitution's legal in New Zealand, by the way, listeners for overseas. Legal. Yeah, legal. Okay, that brings us to question number six. Sam, what flavour ice cream is this movie? Rocky Road. Because my God, is it a rocky road that these people are on? <laughs> I'm going with rum and raisin. Full of liquor and nobody likes raisins, so get the <laughs> hell out of there. Not even grapes like raisins. And people who like rum don't want rum ice cream. They want rum. Raisins is like <laughs> your moronic cousin that you see at family reunions and you t- totally avoid because they spend the whole time huffing glue out the back or something like that. <laughs> yeah, exactly. That's a great answer, Stacey. That moves us on to question number seven, which is courtesy of the wonderful Emily Higgins who runs the Tasteless Podcast. Podcast in which, well, I hate her at the moment because she tried to say that the house bunny is better than office space, but what she does is she says, yes, that's a look of disgust. The what is better than office space? House bunny, sorry, Anna Ferris is better than office space. Oh my God, we better not tell Kahu. No, I've already put a message out to her and Kahu, and I think Kahu had an aneurysm because he only wrote one word back and he's not happy. (laughs) 
Anywho, she records a podcast in which she compares two movies, one that everyone loves that she's like, meh, it's okay, or you know, it's good or whatever, and then another one that she thinks better or doesn't get the credit it's deserved. A link to Emily's podcast is in the show notes. Do go check it out. And so she would like to know what film would be the best or worst to watch with this as a double feature. I think that if you watched Leaving Las Vegas and then you watched Wicker Man, Wicker Man would seem quite good. <laughs> You'd be leaving on a high. (laughs) I think that would mentally break you, wouldn't it? Yeah. Given this movie almost mentally broke you, yeah, you're probably right. I can't even think about it. The bees, the bees. (laughs) (laughs) Mice, mice. Oh no, not the bees, not the bees. At least you can laugh at that movie, right? Our neighbours are probably calling the cops right now. There's nothing comical that you can even laugh at in this one. So you'd be, yeah. I'm going to fly in the face of my deep philosophical debate because I really loved Fear and Loathing in Las Vegas when I was younger. I'm scared to watch it again. I've seen a lot of people say it's a shit movie. I'm too scared to rewatch it. Well, okay. So it'd be the worst. It'd be the absolute worst. Because I reckon leaving Las Vegas would leave me with a sour taste and then that one might be even worse. It, no, actually, <laughs> could be the best or worst. I don't know. Yes. Moves us on to question number eight. What is it, Stacey? How would you incorporate Nicolas Cage into this movie? I wouldn't. I would remove Nicolas Cage from this movie. <gasps> I am flying in the face of your question. I say good day to you, sir. Good day. That is what I'm talking about. This is what I've been hoping for. Since day one. Well, you've got it. With another actor in that lead role, we might have had a well-filled-out performance, but instead we got this. And I don't know what this is. I don't want to revisit this. I've had enough of this. This is going to give me nightmares. What about you, Stace? How would you have incorporated him into this movie? If he had to be in this movie, he could have been Yuri the pimp. A, he would have died sooner in the story. And B, uh, he's just not, wouldn't have been in it as much. Wouldn't so you would have swapped him out and put him into the yeah, pimp would, role. Who would, who would you have had as the lead actor? Well, since you said Johnny Depp just before, I'm thinking, actually, oh, yeah, that'd be he good. would be really good. This would have been peak Johnny Depp too. Would have had Johnny, the, the start of his indie weirdness sort of thing. So yeah, it would have been good. Would have been a good pick. Yeah. And that moves us on to question number nine, which is a new question we're road testing. Which character from this film would be the most likely to go into the toilet, take a massive dump, use up all the the toilet paper, not replace the toilet roll and cruise. Do you even have to ask this question? It's <laughs> yes, obvious. There aren't any characters in this movie, so it's got to be Ben Sanderson. That's what you're saying. I'm going to go with the floozy in the bar that is there with her boyfriend and starts hitting on Nicolas Cage inexplicably during the day. Nicolas Cage wanders into a bar and then she comes up and she's like, hey, how's it going? Like, Ooh. Oh, yeah. It was just like, <laughs> I think she like sucks on his ear or something fucking weird or something. Yeah. There's something strange and then her boyfriend packs a shit. She looks like the type of person that doesn't give a flying about anyone. I'm going to go with her. Okay. There we go. Pull that one out of my woohoo. Oh yeah, that brings us down to question number 10. Sam, this is courtesy of Julio from the Contrarians podcast. Yes, another awesome podcast you guys should all check out in which they rage against the Rotten Tomato machine. So in this case, Julio would... I can't wait. (laughs) I don't know if you've done this episode or not, Julio, but I hope like how you have because this movie fucking sucks. Yeah, somebody needs to rage against this. Bring me on as a guest, Julio. (laughs) If you haven't done this movie, I'm coming on. I'll bring Stacey. No, I won't. She's saying no way. No fucking hell she's no going to talk about this movie again but I'm sure that you guys could do a much better breakdown of why it shouldn't be 90% or more than shit yeah we'd love your guys episodes <laughs> man okay what is the question says? so the question is what is your most controversial opinion about this film I'm not even going to stop at Nicolas Cage shouldn't have won the Best Actor Oscar. I'm going to go one step further. I'm going to say that the Academy should retroactively remove his Best Picture Oscar. (laughs) 
re-announce it. Give it to someone that hasn't won one that's an amazing actor like Peter O'Toole or give it to Amy Adams. Give it to anyone. Yeah, the 1995 Best Actor Award goes to Amy Adams. Amy Adams, <laughs> who was probably still at high school or something like that. Give it to her. She deserves it. No, you can't taint her with an old, crusty old recycled Oscar. <laughs> yeah, because God knows what Nicolas Cage has done with that Oscar. <laughs> oh, dear. He's probably set off metal detectors wandering through airports with it in him. Anyway, what have you... <laughs> What have you got, Stace? Okay, so in 1995, Elizabeth Shue was nominated for a Best Actress Oscar. Yeah. Nicolas Cage was nominated for Best Actor and then went on to win. So when we talk about the gender pay gap, sometimes people say that women have to do like 130% extra work to get paid the same or recognise the same recognition as a man. In this case, I think Elizabeth (laughs) Shue did about 3,000% more work at a much higher quality to... To not really get the recognition that she deserved from her male counterpart. So Nicolas Cage probably should have been nominated as Best Supporting Actor or something, eh? He shouldn't have been identified as a lead is basically what you're saying. (laughs) Yeah, in a way, yeah. You say that, but Nicolas Cage did the acting of seven men. (laughs) (laughs) But he didn't need to. That's the the point. And that's enough of Leaving Las Vegas. Let's never talk about this again. Let's wipe our minds. It's all done. Thank you. Goodness. Moving on to The Rock, which came out the next year. It stars every single male actor from the 90s, including Sean Connery, Nicolas Cage, Ed Harris, John Spencer, David Morse, William Forsyth, Michael Bean, John C. McGinley, Tony Todd, Bokeem Woodbine, and a whole bunch of other ones that you'll recognise from films that you've probably seen, and Claire Fellaini, whatever the hell happened to her. Yeah, she was in it too. Anywho, directed by Michael Bay, by the way, Stacey who you'll know that went on to do Armageddon, Pearl Harbor, uh, all the Transformers movies. Bad Boys, they were right. So this was in his period before he went really pear-shaped, is it? Absolutely. So the plot of the movie is a group of renegade marine commandos seizes a stockpile of chemical weapons and takes over Alcatraz of 81 tourists as hostage. Their leader, a formerly highly decorated general, played by Ed Harris, demands $100 million to be paid in ransom as restitution to families of marines who died in COVID operations and were thereby denied compensation. Otherwise, he is threatening to launch 50 rockets carrying deadly VX nerve gas into the San Francisco Bay Area. An elite SEAL team with support from an FBI chemical warfare expert, Stanley Goodspeed, as played by Nicolas Cage, and a former Alcatraz escapee, John Patrick Mason, played by Sean Connery, is assembled to penetrate the terrorist defences. <laughs> penetrate the terrorists. Defences on Alcatraz and neutralise the rocket threat before time runs out. Now, looking at the scores for this movie, IMDb 7.4 out of 10, so just 0.1 less than Leaving Las Vegas. Metacritic, 58%. Rotten Tomatoes, a little bit lower than 90%, 66%. Still fresh, still fresh. But Stacey, as a score out of 10,000 canisters of VX nerve gas, how much would you give this film? I'm blown away by those scores. Those scores should be higher. Well, winners go home and fuck the prom queen, Stacey. I will give this a 5,564. Shit, I will give this 7,212. It actually wasn't that bad. It was quite good, actually. It was fucking enjoyable. Yeah, it was watchable. Me and Topher <laughs> got in sync. Topher from We Watch The Thing, and we uh, were messaging each other late one night while watching it together. I asked Stacey tuck it out and went to bed. But she watched an hour. She... <laughs> I had to watch this in two parts. I had to watch it in two parts, <laughs> but she came back and watched it, and I was very proud of you. Anyway, as with before, let's get into our 10 questions, starting with, we'll do a compliment sandwich this time, eh? No yep. shit sandwich. Yeah. We're back to the compliment sandwich. Yep. One thing good, one thing bad, and one thing good. 
Hit us with it, Stacey. I really liked the premise of the story. And I felt that even though this was set in the 90s, it's still really relevant today because there is a lot of tension. And, you know, effectively, this General Hummel was committing treason and he told all of his troops they'd have to leave the country and never return. So it was a high-risk situation. So there was a good amount of tension and it was relevant in today's world. You could imagine something like this happening. Oh, actually. you absolutely could imagine something like this happening. That's a good point. Yeah, good work, Stace. Bad thing is... The chemical specialists, Nicolas Cage and his other buddy, right at the start of the movie, they immediately lose credibility in that first scene that they're in. So they're seen in this little glass, kind of little glass house in a lab. This vial of this green stuff breaks and it's this chemical that will just basically incinerate you. You'll just melt. Dissolve through everything, yeah. (laughs) Yeah. yeah. And they kind of panic and they don't really know what to do and they're fluffing around like bloody old people and it's like hang on a sec you're the world's or the the america's leading chemical specialists who work for the fbi and you're fluffing around like idiots and the whole facility needs to be shut down oh yeah and and by the way that's who we call in to help in this super super (laughs) high intense stressful situation it doesn't i I just who are you gonna call nicholas cage I'd rather Bill Murray turn in that case. Um, An Ecto-1 with his Ghostbusters. Yeah. <laughs> no, no, but in all seriousness, it's just a slight, I mean, oh, it's getting really picky, but it was just something that set me off at the start and I just thought, oh, if they had slightly more credibility, I would have believed it in the second half of the movie when he came in to save the day. Final good thing was the casting of Sean Connery yep. and Ed Harris were brilliant they're iconic actors. They did a really great job. They weren't just directing at all. They just, they nailed it. Okay. What about you, Sam? What's your compliment sandwich? The good thing for me is that it's got a Hummer in it. And I don't mean a blowjob. I mean that there's a Hummer, <laughs> Humvee sort of car. Now, me and Spanky, <laughs> yeah, our movie Nerdum goes back to the 90s when we used to watch all these sort of films. And one of our things was every really good action film has a Hummer in it. And this <laughs> has a Hummer in it. <laughs> So that immediately elevates this whole movie. Yes. But it leads on to the fact that there's some awesome action scenes in here. It's very well choreographed. It's almost believable. Even the part where Tony Todd gets shot out of a fucking window with a rocket impaled into his chest. Hey, do you like Elton John? Fuck your pussy shit. Or I really like that song, A Rocket Man. (laughs) Shoots him out of a fucking window. It's great. Like The action scenes are great. The bad thing, okay, for all of the awesome quotes and lines and shit like that, there's a lot of moronic stuff in here as well. There's some lines that don't fit. There's a bit of cringy dialogue that you're like, oh, that hasn't really aged that well. All that sort of shit. But again, nitpicky, it's just a big financial movie. Who gives a fucking flying fuck? But there's other ones. Yeah, exactly. It's a a little bit like an Arnie movie, but you just didn't have Arnie to deliver some of those crappy lines. Exactly. (laughs) Instead, you have Sean Connery delivering stuff like, Womack, why am I not surprised, you piece of shit? Wow, that was an accent. <laughs> it sounded like I had a piece of anatomy stuck in my throat. I don't think that was a rollback. Oh, no, I'm yeah. not trying it again. Are you Fuck. okay? <laughs> and like the performances are great. Cage gives it a quite demure performance. Yeah, he does. He's tolerable in this. He just blends into the background yeah. like a normal character and a normal actor should God, do. I can't wait to show you. A... No, 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 no. I'm going to save it till the end. So, yeah, that's our compliment sandwich. That moves us on to question number two, which, again, is the Phil Johnson question. Hit us with it, Stace. 
Which character would you hate to be personal cleaner for? I'm going to go with Womack, who piece of shit. Who's the FBI agent who, who basically lures Sean Connery into doing this. He's He's got no scruples. You know what I mean? He's a shifty, shifty man. I reckon you'd be spending your whole time cleaning up fucking dead bodies and political prisoners that have been held hostage for 30 years. He's a dodgy, sifty FBI agent. Fuck cleaning up after him. I reckon he'd have a few skeletons in his closet. Fuck that guy. What about you, Says? I'm going to go with General Hummel. Are you trying to tell me you don't want to go to on covert operations into the middle of jungles and bushes and deserts and clean up after soldiers? Is that what you're trying to tell me? Yeah, way too ju- <laughs> why, dangerous. Why? why, why, why <laughs> give me one good reason why. I know, it sounds like a sweet gig, right? International travel, jetting around, but nah, it's not going to be like that. It's going to be... Sleeping in mosqu- mosquito-infested yep, rivers. Mosquitoes, and- swamps... Sandstorms. Not to mention uh, your life is threatened on a daily basis. I don't like sand. It's coarse and it's rough and gets everywhere. I'm with you, Stace. Okay, so question number three, same as before. What deep philosophical debate arose in you while watching this film? Actually, this is a question I often have had when dealing with local government or council, you know, local council and their plans for city infrastructure. So as it come, as it turns Welcome out, back to the sixty-year-old <laughs> complaining on Talkback Radio Hour. No, okay. So here's the thing, right? Listen to me, Boris. So the government does not have any correct as-built plans for Alcatraz. They claim that things have changed and tunnels of this and that happened and da-da-da. So basically, they don't know their way around their own facility. Yeah. And not to mention that is that this is a tourist attraction now. So surely they should know the ins and outs and what can happen. You have evacuation routes. Uh, yeah, exactly. <laughs> health and safety. That's your big debate is health and safety. No, well, it's just no. So is there a government agency anywhere in the world that has a correct plan for any of their buildings that they've ever built or managed? No. <laughs> now, time for my debate. My deep philosophical debate is at what point did Sean Connery manage to have sex? Because we find out of, we find out of this film that he's been locked in prison as a political prisoner or something for like 30 years, right? Yes. Something like that, 30 years. He gets out and finds his daughter, Claire Fellaini, who at the time of filming was about, I don't know, 23, 24? So weird to believe that he'd been locked up for six years, escaped from a jail, met her mum, banged her, and then got locked up again. And even says to her, it was just like, oh, yeah, you met your mother at a Led Zeppelin concert. It's like, oh, great. Yeah. Cheers, Dad. Cheers, Dad. I've never had anything to do with my entire life for telling me how I got fucking created. Cheers, man. <laughs> oh, wait, oh, there's a whole bunch of cops here. Cheers for you, Dad. I was, oh, that was my debate. It's like flipping it around. Like if I was locked up in a Alcatraz and that sort of stuff and I broke out, would I be going around having unprotected sex with women? That's what I was thinking. Oh, my God. Gross. <laughs> I can see how you've got questions with that, but you can see that he's quite a sneaky guy. So (laughs) John Patrick Mason has got himself a deal to get out of prison. I have a feeling something like this has happened before. I don't think this is the first, and he broke out of Alcatraz. I I don't think he's got an issue kind of getting himself out of jail. So he's breaking out, having relationships, probably had bigger plans, but he went back to jail. Exactly. Sounds like the great makings of a sitcom. Okay, that brings us to question number four. Which character would have the biggest following on social media and on what platform? I could imagine General Hummel would have a a Twitter account. It'd be posting 
controversial statements about not even necessarily uh, a political stance either. He'd just be constantly mocking the government like Edward Snowden or someone else like that. That would be him Mm, just tweeting out like, you know, just fuck the government type shit. Either that or Sean Connery would have a YouTube channel that dedicates its time to self-help for guys who can't get laid. So, you know... (laughs) Losers try their best. Winners go home and fuck the prom queen. It'd be shit like that. <laughs> It'd be short little snappy statements on YouTube or Instagram or something where he's giving life advice to guys who can't get laid. Yeah, like one of his cellmates has got a, f- a mobile phone that he records the videos on, right? Sure, why not? Stanley Goodsby would be massive on YouTube with um, home science videos. Home science video. Yeah, he's like a chemical expert, right? So he's a real geeky nerd. He loves this stuff. So he would show you how to make little volcanoes at home, you know, using baking soda and vinegar and stuff like that. It'd be like Bill Nye the Science Guy or something. Yeah. He's got a bit of charisma by the end. He's sort of grown a set of balls by the end there as well. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, so coming up next, which quote from this film, and there's a million, would be the worst to hear after you finish having sex with someone. I just love this line from one of the tourists who goes to visit Alcatraz and they get locked in the cells. Oh, I know this one. Yeah. <laughs> and he goes, What kind of fucked up tour is this? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you don't want to be hearing that after <laughs> sex. <laughs> This cracks so, me up, Stacey. I had three. That, that was actually my second one. My other one was possible penetration point in shower room. <laughs> <laughs> no idea what that would mean. But my best is, and come along with, <laughs> this is a ride, is at one point Nicolas Cage and Sean Connery get captured by the bad guys. They get locked up in the cells. And Nicolas Cage, while talking to Sean Connery, says, how in the name of Zeus's butthole did you get out of your cell? <laughs> That is such a great line. But the funniest thing about that line is when he's saying that, we can actually see how Sean Connery (laughs) is getting them out of their cells as he says those words. Oh, that's good. That's what I mean about bumbling idiot, you know. It's like, can you just focus for one second? You're supposed to be the chemical guy. Just, you know, call it. Call your jets. Funny how he starts off with this calm, suave dude who's, you know, has this chemical reaction and he's, whereas the guy out of High Fidelity that plays the nebbish dude at work that works with John Cusack is like completely freaking out, like we're all going to die and all this other stuff. And he's like the calm, suave dude who later then goes on to say to Sean Connery, I don't have crazy shit like this happen to me all the time. He's had it happen to him twice in two fucking days. And he proposed to his girlfriend that night. So his life is pretty action-packed. Some of the best 48 hours of that man's life. He's probably done no- He's sitting in a bar right now, drinking himself to death, telling people about what his life has been up to. So maybe it's The Rock then leaving Las Vegas. Yeah. Okay. Well, that almost leads us on to Emily's question, but what have we got next? So question six, what flavour ice cream is this movie? Okay, for me, this is scrotum ice cream because it packs a fuck ton of balls. Couldn't you have just said, like, Malteser ice cream or something? Nah, like, nah. scrotum ice cream. I'm going with that. It's that a new flavour. It's not going to take off. <laughs> if you'd like to buy a scrotum ice cream, coming soon for the movie review to the Q's merchandise store. Okay, this movie is Lime Swirl with a sprinkling of Pop Rocks. You know, the candy that bursts in your mouth? Oh, yeah, yeah. So yeah. the lime being the green, like the green chemical little balls, the glass and the glass balls that they're yeah, trying to rescue. So green with some pop rocks because shit's going to go crazy if those things explode. And Emily Higgins' question now, which film would be the best or worst to watch with this as a double feature? Go, Stace. Okay, well, I think that you should watch a double header of two Alcatraz movies in a row, The Rock and Escape from Alcatraz. Have you seen Escape from Alcatraz? 
I think I have. <laughs> Your indignation <laughs> and refusal to answer this question kind of suggests that I you haven't, haven't. But I just think, why not? You're on a roll. Just stick with it. The easy answer, and that's because it's the best answer, is Connie. It's another performance involving criminals. Uh, this time around, he's trying to break out of a criminal plane. It's And it's a lot of fun. It's a lot of big, just dumb fun. And it's awesome. It's got a demure Nick Cage performance in it. You don't believe me. You're looking at me. With, why are you lying to me like this? But yeah, it's it's, it's it's a lot of fun. And that moves us on to question number eight. What does it stace? How would you incorporate Nicolas Cage into this movie? I want double cage. I want some cage on cage. So I want him to play his uh, girlfriend slash fiance. I was not expecting that kind of cage on cage. <laughs> Give me that uh, cage on cage. I was thinking that... Despite all my cage, I'm still just a rat in a cage. I was thinking that you would replace Ed Harris with Nick Cage. And so nah. have, have villainous Nick nah. Cage and hero Nick Cage. Ed <laughs> Harris is one of the best fucking parts of this movie. I want cage on cage. Okay, I think that Cage would make a great Edward Scissorhands. He could be the hairdresser who... who, get, who who tarts up old Sean Connery, gives him a bit of a haircut before he goes to save the day. <laughs> the hairdresser <laughs> that <laughs> discovers himself in a violent shootout runs to the d- lift. Yeah. And then Sean yeah. Connery, who's just done the violent shootout, comes running in. And he's just like, all I want to know is, do you like your style? <laughs> exactly. <laughs> shit like that. Do you like it? his pants. There's a guy standing there with a gun that's sharing a lip of him. And all he cares about is if he's done a good job or not. Exactly. That's Stacey, com- if you see me in a life or death situation and I'm asking the person whether I've done a good job or not, pull me out of my fucking misery. <laughs> Just end it for me. I shouldn't be alive. <laughs> that was an excellent scene. I loved that. Okay, and it's the question we are road testing. So, which character from this film do you reckon would be most likely to go into the toilet, stink it up, use up the toilet roll, and not bother replacing it with a new one, and then just stroll on out of there? It's the FBI director. He's just a big douchebag, and yeah. He spends his whole time double-crossing people, and he doesn't live up to any deals, and all that sort of shit. He's, he's honestly one of the right answers. I completely agree with you. I'm going to go with Gregory Spolader's character, who's Captain Fry or whatever, who, along with Captain Darrow, played by Tony Todd, they sort of turn on, you know, the bad guy. And Gregory Spolader actually ends up being the big bad guy at the end that Nicolas Cage has to fight to the death, you know what I mean? He ends up shoving that bloody jewel inside of his mouth and smashing it and all that sort of shit. He turns out to be this, like cretinous man yeah, who's got nasty. no loyalty whatever he'd totally be that dude he'd even like smugly come back after he's seen you going in there and go <laughs> and laugh outside the door while you're like oh no oh no <laughs> oh dear okay let's take it down to the end question number 10 from Julio the most controversial opinion Nicolas Cage should have won the Oscar for this <laughs> <laughs> I don't know if I can say that in all seriousness, but I. It would have been a. a it's a better performance. Let's yes. put it like that. It was nominated for one Oscar. It was nominated for sound. No, no, no. Sean Connery or Ed Harris probably should have won for best supporting actor because they gave amazing performances. A lot of really good action movies underestimate what they should do when they get the villain. And in this case, when you get a villain who is awesome like this, who plays it stoically or just lives up to their potential, you get something like this. It's great. And also, they're well-written characters. Yeah. There's a lot to them. You, you get There's a bit of depth in both of those characters. 
Well, that's the thing. Like you, a good villain is either someone like the Joker, who he's just insane, and there's no explaining them. And the more you try to explain him, the less engaging and thrilling and scary he becomes. Or another great villain is someone like Hannibal Lecter or Thanos, where you know their merit motivations and it's explained to you and it's fought out, and you can kind of see their side. They're not just crazy for the sake of being crazy. They're not laughing maniacally and twirling a fucking mustache. This is a controversial opinion for me because I don't like remakes, but I think this movie could be remade what? now and it would be just as awesome you reckon yeah yeah totally well different actors and all that sort of shit yeah sure why not just to bring it right up to date although it doesn't really need updating but i, I think it could work heard it here first folks stacy wants a movie remade <laughs> that's bananas that is very controversial in my book yeah <laughs> And that takes us to the end of the question part of the Cage of Palooza. Well done, Stacey. You've made it through. Woohoo! I'm so thrilled. It's finally over. We've got a couple of little parts to finish. The first of which is a cage quiz. Are you ready for your cage quiz, Stacey? What the hell is that? I am going to give you some Nicolas Cage movie titles or fake titles, and you have to tell me if it's a Nicolas Cage movie or not. <laughs> Are you ready? No, but anyway, go. Mother's Ghost. Nick Cage. No, that's a fake movie. Season of the Witch. Fake. That's a Nicolas Cage movie. <laughs> I have got no idea. I'm just guessing. Rumpelstiltskin's Treasure. Fake. That is fake. Last Train to Timbuktu. That's got to be fake. Okay. Bangkok Dangerous. <laughs> that's got to be fake. It's real. Bangkok Dangerous is a film that stars Nicolas Cage. It is correct, yes. <laughs> oh, shit. Drive Angry. Mm, fake. It is a film that stars Nicolas Cage. <gasps> Vengeance, a love story. <laughs> That's got to be a Nick Cage that movie. That is a Nicolas Cage movie. <laughs> the Humanity Bureau. Fake. Nicolas Cage movie. Oh, my God. Pay the Ghost. Nicolas Cage. That's correct. Schindler's Grocery List. This can't be serious. A Nick <laughs> Cage movie. <laughs> It's not a Nick Cage movie. Well, maybe it should be. And one last one, The Ant Bully. The Ant Bully? The Ant Bully. Fake. It's a Nicholas Cage movie. <laughs> okay, so this has been a great Cage Palooza, but you know what, Stacey, I don't know if you know this, but we actually put it out there to a vote to our audience to see which two Nicholas Cage films we do next. That's right. <laughs> there's going to be a Cage of Palooza 2, Stacey Hurley. Well, you're going to have to find someone else to star in it. No, nope, it's starring I... <laughs> you. Stacey Hurley, do you want to know the two Nicholas Cage films you're going to have to watch next? No, I don't want to know. First up, Schindler's Shopping List. <laughs> no. Second film. No, the two films you're going to have to watch next, Stacey Hurley, is Conier and Gone in 60 Seconds. Conier got 60% of the vote. Gone in 60 Seconds, 19. Bad Lieutenant, 9. Adaptation. I actually put Adaptation in there as like a nice film for you to watch because it's actually quite a good movie. <laughs> but, but nobody no, wants me to watch a good movie. <laughs> in fact, everyone wants you to watch Conier so much that it got three times the vote of the nearest <laughs> fucking rival. So I think we do a full 20 questions on Conier. Oh. <laughs> I don't know about that. We had a little bit of feedback on our question. IMDb Journey said, as long as one of them is this and put a gif of Conair. Believe from We Watched a Thing. Yes, yes, Stacey needs to see adaptations since it is legitimately a great film. That said, so is Conair. <laughs> Steve from Everything I Learned From Movies just sent you a gif of Nicolas Cage winking at a Conair. 
Justin from So I Married a Movie Geek. Just watch Connie twice. That's the right answer, Justin. No, I cannot watch a Nick Cage movie Paul twice. from the Countdown <laughs> Podcast. It's Connie or we riot. Whoa. Okay. Really strong opinions here. <laughs> Flix X-Raid put a tweeted a gif of Gone in 60 Seconds. Renegade, one of our favourite listeners. Connie and Gone in 60. He picked it. It's happening. Mm. I used to watch this, Connie for sure, just because it's a ridiculous movie, but in a fun way. Retro Cinema, Gone in 60 Seconds, but just for the Mustang. Good job, Von Ha 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 ha. Poor Stacey. Hey, at least put Thank a really you. good one on. <laughs> at least put a really good one on there, like Lord of War for the poor girl. I don't know if Stacey would enjoy it. Sarah from Cinema Gibbons tweeted a gif of Annie Edison out of Community saying everything. Oh, I watch uh, Community. Yeah, fucking love Community. <laughs> Dawn Alicia started throwing as many at us as she possibly can. Honeymoon in Vegas. Drive Angry and Piggy Sue got married. Cecil Hops tweeted us gif of uh, Con Air. Brian McCree said Vampire's Kiss for the win, which we've already seen. We're, we're going to do that. We'll save that for a later episode. Finally, a face mainly your mother could love. Gone in 60 seconds. It edges out Conair, The Rock, and I'll add Season of the Witch just never face off. That's his pinnacle. The major problem that we have here is, yes, okay, I don't really like Nicolas Cage, but these genre of movies are movies I wouldn't normally watch either. Predominantly action. Adaptations (laughs) of drama by the guy that did being John Malkovich. It's written by that guy. Okay, so is it quite unusual? Yeah, it's it's really weird. Why couldn't you guys have voted for that one? (laughs) And a little girl stares off despairingly into the corner. Anyway, Stacey, that is the end of our podcast. Coming up next week, what is it? It's a big one for me. It's uh, Avengers. Yes. We're, <laughs> Avengers what? What's the name of Endgame? it? Endgame. Oh, shit. Congratulations. We're cutting our honeymoon short so that I can go watch it in Auckland <laughs> at 1.45 on the day it comes out in an IMAX screening. Went to buy my tickets. Could only get the very edge of the middle row. It was unbelievably, but so, so unbelievably excited. Don't care. Anyway, it's going to be amazing. You looking forward to that one, Stace? Sure. Why not? It's going to be me, you, and Machu. Three hours and two minutes of Avengers. I bet you can't wait. Nope, she's just fucking broken. <laughs> she's having an aneurysm. Okay, so anyway. <laughs> anywho, if you like this episode and want to get in contact with us, you can find us on Twitter at Movie Reviews In. You can find us on Facebook, Movie Reviews In 20Qs. Send us an email at mri2ks at gmail.com. Currently have a competition going where you guys can win free tickets to a premiere in Auckland. That's right, we are going to see the film Same But Different. We interviewed the uh, writer, director, producer, everything behind that a couple of episodes ago. Search it out. It's a bonus interview with those guys. If you live in Auckland and you are available on May 4th, send us an email at mritqs at gmail.com. We've had quite a few come in, but we're just going to pick uh, one at random, basically. Give away two free tickets. Yes, now that is a movie I'm excited to go and watch. Same oh, yeah. but different. Can't yeah. wait. Can't wait to see that offering from those girls we're going to be walking the red carpet having our photos taken hanging out with all the other famous New Zealand celebrities like Stacey Hurley and Sam (laughs) (laughs) really looking forward to it anyway that's thanks from me thanks bye (laughs) goodbye (laughs) you ready you ready just hurry up and get this over with Sam (laughs) Nicholas uh, Nicholas Shoe oh my god what's happening to me (laughs) And there we go. It's a mystery wrapped up in blah, 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 blah. It's I've a mystery out you're wrapped up in an amygna. In, in a ming, 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 ming. Exactly. You can't it's do it either. Cut Nicole Kidnam. <laughs> <laughs> My, what question is this? What am I <laughs>